This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back. Now, let's pick up where we left off. We're We're Luna. Luna. And this, this is Gaotic. Our podcast about absolutely nothing and yet everything, hosted by us homosexuals. We all share one brain cell. Oh my god. I'm Josette. I'm Katie. I'm Naomi. The three of us have been in a band together for years. We've been friends for a decade. And we've been gay since the beginning of time. This week, they're back for more. Hotties and most famous humans in the world, Tegan and Sarah. It's part two, honey. So if you didn't listen to part one of our episode with Tegan and Sarah, then stop this right now. Stop listening and go back to our previous episode and listen to that first. Because if if you decide this doesn't matter and you're just going to do it out of order, then you're just on the fast track to nihilism. Yes, it it also makes me want to ask about like, you know, I think we have had times already in our like comparatively short career where we can look at each other and be like, are we crazy or are we like not? It's like, are we actually as influential culturally as we think we are? Because sometimes it doesn't <laughs> feel like we're actually like, it's like or because we're because we're still not making money. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. but I think we're kind of important and I think we're kind of great. Yeah. But it's not adding up. And yeah. I have to imagine that you guys have lived that like times a thousand. Yeah. So can you complain about that for a second? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Complaints, please. Yeah. <laughs> a little more complaining. I mean, please. I think it's oh God, it's like a hard one to sort of like tease out. But I think I mean I think that the the sort of like financial realities of touring part of what make them so demoralizing is that none of us know what anyone else is making totally or not making, yeah. you know, like, and I think that that's the confusing thing. Like, you know, like a teacher isn't like, I wonder what Mrs. Adams is making, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like I'm really having trouble right. making my ends, the ends meet, <laughs> but she got teacher of the year. Is she making a million dollars? Is she making $43,000 like me? You know, like, there's no like there's no sense that there's equity because there isn't, yeah. you know, like yeah. we know that certain people are making like hand over fist more money than us. Yeah. And we also know that we're making more money than people. Yeah. And then there's this like. Awkward, and then we're like, all on social media pretending it's 10,000 billion times more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that the financial realities of our business are really confusing. We also don't understand like who's a songwriter and who's got publishing and who's doing the, you know, the corporates and who's getting big money to do festivals and how much was your production? I just think that it's like it's so disorienting. And because there's there's no way to sort of like fit yourself into that world, the only way to really do it is through these like very like 
public facing arbitrary things like how many how many social media followers do you have are you on all the Coachella you know things or did you get this thing did you get the corporate thing did you whatever like are you wearing cool clothes did you get invited to the fashion shit like you know we all we have these things that we kind of use as comparisons but like at the end of the day like who the fuck knows you don't I don't know how much money you guys are making I can guess do what you, you guys, might be do you guys want to say you know? how much money you guys are making one and then we'll two say, three <laughs> you know but, no, but here's the thing right like you guys you know, like you guys are talking about sharing a hotel room. Tegan and I were very frugal. You know, we grew up lower middle class and it was like yeah. everything was about save, save, save. And we shared a hotel room for, you know, way too long because the, the numbers just looked better when we would well, take. Okay, hold on. You know, I want to jump wait, in and Tegan, say. No, just let me say one more thing. Let me just say one more thing. <laughs> let me just say one oh more God. thing. When that changed, and I just want to say, I know what you guys are talking about. I know that like pain versus gain where you feel like you have a ton of visibility right now. You kind of feel like you're all over the place. Everybody kind of knows who you are and you kind of want the financial part to feel at the same level. And, and it will, it just almost like it has to catch up to you. Like in some ways, that's my experience was that, you know, we kind of felt like we were really like riding high, but it still felt like things weren't quite making sense. And then it just kind of felt like a windfall for a while. And now we're back yeah. at the place where I'm like, you know, I'm just going to clean up my CV and maybe I'll survive for some jobs. Yeah, like, totally no, I'm just, but like, you know, maybe I'll go back to school. I think I can be eligible for a student loan, but no, I'm kidding. But do you guys I like do, think, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Katie. No, no, no. It's per, I, that's the end of my TED Period. talk about how hard it is to be a musician in the, in the industry. But, oh, I know what I was going to say. When I met my partner, Stacy, she was 28. <laughs> when I met her and she was younger than me, but she was like fancy bougie girl who like, you know, knew what was what. And she was like, when she found out how that Tegan and I still sometimes shared hotel rooms and that we had never, like we flew like economy and like, you know, we were just like really living like, you know, just like doing everything by the book, keeping the numbers looking good. She was like, get a grip. If you're going to travel around the world 300 days a year you need to put yourself in business every once in a while we like, we, we, we we do we have those conversations we've reached capacity <laughs> well we're, we're doing yeah. the thing is this is the i think now like when when silk came out that was the first time everyone's like you're everywhere definitely like we you know there was a month before silk came out where it's like can we sustain this business for another month and then um, everyone's yeah. talking about how you're everywhere. And now yeah, and I'm like, funny that my money is not everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> but this is the first time where we're we're seeing some sort of like profit, like the to be completely frank. And I, I like being completely frank about how hard it is in the music industry to like yeah. make money where it's you like last it tour was last tour was called Frank. Last tour was the first <laughs> time where like we were making money from playing shows. Yeah. And. I don't know, but it is. We are trying to treat ourselves more. Yeah, a little bit. You should I think? You should, I, I think that there's a. Okay, I just want to backtrack for a second, just to something you said, Katie. What I heard of what you said was like you have all this influence. Mm -hmm. You're doing something that's important, and like, when does it equate to like making a living and doing well? And like, you know, when do the like, you know? And I think, I think honestly, the answer is for the majority of us, it never will. Mm -hmm. And I think like being just prepared the way that. We toured with Cindy Lauper years and years ago and, and Regina Spector was on a couple of shows and she mm -hmm. asked Cindy one time in front of like all of us were hanging out and she was like, when does it get easier? Like, when do I stop feeling like I'm not legit? Like, when does it stop feeling like tomorrow I could just be back and be a nobody or whatever? And Cindy was like, never, it never stops feeling this hard. You're always going to be chasing wow. something and it's always gonna be hard, but you love music and that's why you do it. And I think I've tried to keep that in my brain is that there will be, I think some of what Sarah was getting at, 
is like there will be times where the money catches up and 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 there will be times where you feel like you're way too ahead of it and i just i think also want to acknowledge this is a tough time in the mm. music business this is a tough time to be a band i think getting started but also a band like you guys like this is you're still in the first chapter in my opinion of your mm. career and you're still laying that foundation like this is the year these are the establishing years mm-hmm. and when I think about our establishing years, that was everything prior to, I would say, So Jealous. Like that was a six year period. And those establishing years were extremely hard, very hard. There was not a week that did, that went by that we weren't in tears talking about being done. Mm-hmm. And the next chapter for us, which was the next layer of you know our existence was what I call the So Jealous, the con, sainthood mm-hmm. years, which yeah. is an, yeah. another like, you know, eight years. That is when we like got to move to a bus, got to have our own hotel room, started to make money from tours. And like that is, it wasn't a windfall, but it started to feel very different. It started yeah. to be like, oh, we can choose it's which venues. And yeah. Yeah. Sustainable you, for sure. You start to, you start to be more comfortable. And then for us, when we hit Heartthrob, it was like going back to square one because it's all about investment. It was just spend, yeah. spend, spend because you just had to go everywhere and do everything. And you're going to play all these radio gigs and guess what? They're free. You don't actually get paid. And Always. So, right. And they're just well, like, who's yeah. paying for that then? And they're like, you. And you're like, so I'm paying. <laughs> okay. But like, I think for most of us, it's just always that back and forth of yeah. how much of this is about investment and how much of it is about profit. For Sarah and I, we've always run our company one way. Everything comes in, we just pay ourselves a salary and we don't touch yeah. anything. And then totally. we can get through the lean times. Yeah. We can get through the fun times. It's like, and I just, I don't equate how much we make with what value we hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, because we're just not, first of all, because I just don't believe as women, as queer people, any of us are going to ever, like queer people are never going to get, they're, you're never going to be valued the same yeah. as as straight people. That's just the reality. It's like, uh, yeah. because any mark you make on music, this is bleak, but I, I don't think this is a bad thing, but it's going to sound bad. But like, I just don't think your wins will be measured the same way. That's a fact. And Never. That's a fact. And so, yeah. but that's fine. Like then just, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Like it doesn't, you know, like I just, I think, I think that's fine. I think that's actually I, just yeah. the way it kind it is. of reminds me there was I was talking to somebody about you guys at one point and like they said something along the lines of they were listening to an album of yours and they thought it was the greatest hits because it was like every <laughs> single song is just amazing. They're like, I wonder like what that's about. And I was like, well, they're like queer like women that's dead ass like, though well you, you don't really have a choice so much harder. if you're putting out like <laughs> you gotta so put out something great you yeah. have to put out something great and that actually i'm really super grateful for that to be honest for and the bar to be I'm excellent like, is... maybe i'm what what is that called um, like, when you're kidnapped but then you're like happy Stockholm about it Stockholm. Yeah. well i think adversity <laughs> like adversity <laughs> i'm like i, I love that and I, like I, us like us when the grade six girls used exactly to their side of the school we were like we've got kidnapped but really it's just been a weird fantasy implanted in us forever I'm being kidnapped by fascinating women. <laughs> you guys are going to have to work so hard. Trust me. We always have yeah. been, I guess, yeah. continuing. <laughs> and it's going to have to continue. I, I, well, we did I get in this for the money, that. though, so we are disappointed to hear that. <laughs> Look, there's money. The money comes. The money comes. It does. <laughs> ten it does. years in, ten it, years in, into it for the money, waiting does, for the money to come. <laughs> it doesn't even need to be about the money. Hey, you know, we can side, anytime you all want to call us and sidebar about how to make money, we can give you all our tips because there's a lot of ways to do it. 
We're we're on OnlyFans <laughs> now. Go. Yeah, let's start scheming. I wanna I wanna have a, a fantasy talk about. We need to. Well, first we of all, this episode is gonna make us millions. People, maybe we'll talk over the break about. We need to plan like some type of <laughs> massive convention or tour <laughs> where maybe we're. No, I, I just said you know yesterday. I think it should be a convention. <laughs> I just sent a link to our managers yesterday because New Kids on the Block they're they're doing a convention in Chicago. And they're doing a convention. Hmm. Yeah. And for them. I, it seems like they maybe took my idea. It's fifteen hundred bucks. Oh to, no! To for all access, and then like regular tickets are five hundred dollars. I got my calculator out. I was like, emailed Straight the our managers. I was like, I want to do Tegan and Sarah Con. Like, yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. I think the thing that we can sometimes feel <laughs> icky about is yeah. like how much of yourself that you're willing to to sell to to make money. Yeah. And we've always had really hard boundaries around that. And you know what? I think it's fine, but yeah. it is just the reality of our business where it's like you are the commodity. Yeah. And yeah. how much of your you are. actual skin are you Especially if sell. you're frigid, you have to turn into a big old slut. Yeah, I'm absolutely slut a slut for it now. <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Though? You know what though? Like these are all things too that I think like, I think everybody worries about this. Like, what's the line? Like, when is it cool? When is it gross? When is it, you know, just taking advantage and taking your turn? And when is it sort of exploitation or mm. whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, but I, I remember somewhere along the line, like I used to read, I used to be really into like the when, you know, when we first kind of were like starting to be more like considered in the indie rock scene, I was like so obsessed with like comment sections under like the stereo, st- like stereo gum, yeah. or, like, mm-hmm. whatever, like all those Brooklyn vegan, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. And I used to feel so sick and like devastated when people would say stuff about our band around money. Like they'd say all sorts of crazy shit about us, but it was like, did you see they had two buses parked on whatever avenue and fuck them? And did you see how much their tickets cost? And I would feel this kind of like, I would feel this like, I would feel this anxiety. Like I wanted to like be like, oh my God, you should see the margins on our tour budgets. Like it is just like, we're out here like barely making ends meet. And yeah. it just, it made me feel like I, I wanted people to know. And I think there's this like, don't, don't ask, don't tell mentality about the financials of touring because everybody is like, look, like Tegan just said, taking out the calculator and looking at how much things cost. And then, you know, oh, they sold, their tickets were 50 bucks and they sold 2000 tickets and they're making a million dollars. You know, like we all know Sarah's that that's not very not good real. at math. I, okay, I, but I think there's just, I was just using like a nice whole yeah. number, but I just think like there's also this there's also this thing of like for a long time it was like kind of like tacky to talk about money and yeah. tacky to talk about mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And I remember hearing like, you know, all the like the, back in our day, especially like there was like everybody's worried about selling out and like all of these kinds of things. And at some point I just was like, I'm just treating this like a normal job. I'm taking the opportunities where they come. I know what the line is. Yeah. I don't feel gross about stuff. Like I just have to you know, I just have to say yes. And, and it, the now, you know, like it's weird because, you know, even with these new opportunities, like writing a memoir and then making a TV show, I'm still sort of like vulnerable to like the feedback sometimes where people will be like, you guys, they made a TV show about you guys. And you know, that kind of like self mythologizing like mm-hmm. that we do, that we do, we have to do it because no one else is going to do yeah. it. No, yeah. there are not like 45 guys sitting around in Brooklyn right now being like, which should I, what band should I write about for the weird Barnes and Noble shelf that's filled with memoirs about men or, or biographies about men and yeah. memoirs about men and whatever. Like we made a decision somewhere along the line that we would make ourselves seem we we feel important and we feel like what we've put into the canon is important and so we're going to write about how we did it so that it's our voice you know but I think it's the same thing for like 
declaring your worth and asking for what you need and asking other people like, you know, are you struggling too? Or, you know, where's the money? Like, mm -hmm. to let me know where, yeah. you know, whatever. Like, I think we have to be like, give ourselves, we have to give ourselves like full permission to do that stuff because I think it's in not doing those things that allows us to stay poor, stay yeah. struggling, stay unhappy. Like if we give ourselves, like if we give ourselves permission to talk about these things, then we can also find gaps and say like, this is not, this, this is not fair, or this is disgusting. Or, Hey, we're all out here struggling right now because like inflation, my God, it's so expensive yeah. to do everything right now. Talking so, about it publicly also, like it just is a form of organizing. Yeah. Even, like, yeah. I mean, we're yeah. joking. We're joking about talking about disclosing salaries, but it's like, no, get it out there. Well, I honestly yeah. feel like people make, yeah. everyone's making money off of you. You're not making the money. I think that's the reality. Also, the, the truth is, uh, yeah. like, I think the the I don't know where to trace it back to, but maybe it's like post financial crisis, post Occupy, like there I feel like there has been a sort of like larger open mindedness towards discussing how fucked yeah. up shit is for artists like publicly and it's not as shameful to talk about it. But that does feel recent, even like talking about like the the ticket master of it all like yeah. when that shit went down that was such a big deal that like even like someone as big as taylor swift was like this is fucking this is fucked up you know yeah. like how this this shit works but i, I want to understand that ticket master owned live nation did you guys know that yeah, yeah it's a it's everybody it's all, why didn't you guys tell me it's all monopoly <laughs> it's there the monopolies like exist in 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 the arts it's it's like yeah. so fucked up yeah. and scary but, but i, I, I kind of want to but that but i want to say Hey, I, I need to jump in and just say you guys are giving <laughs> like you guys are truly giving like sermon after sermon. I know Sarah said she's an atheist, <laughs> but it's just so amazing to like be able to hear your thoughts on these things. And I also want to say I have such a clear memory of listening to So Jealous when I was in seventh grade. Like there was just like one hallway, like going to my locker and just being on my own and listening to your songs and I didn't even know that I was queer at the time I didn't know that y'all were queer but I already like identified so much and had this sense of possibility when mm -hmm. I heard you guys and then it was really cool like watching your show I was watching it with my partner and I I just kind of got really engrossed in the world of just like your relationships and the story of your lives and then when it gets to the part in the series where where y'all actually start playing music, I was like, oh, holy shit. And they did this too. Like, <laughs> I can't believe it's, a, it's crazy. And it's so cool that you started a fucking band. And then I had this cool moment where I turned to my partner and I was like, I was like, they started a band. I started a band. <laughs> I was like, and I did that. And that was cool when I did that too. That yeah. was pretty it is amazing. Cool. It is cool. Honestly, you know, when we went out to, when we went out to sell the memoir, what you just said is basically how we sold the book. In my opinion, we were just like, you know, there's a million memoirs to be published and there's a million people out there that could do this, but like, there really isn't like, anyone that's like specifically for us you know yeah, that yeah. Written a story that was set in a time frame like especially queer people that was so relatable and we just we were like i think i think like people who work in the arts of course or, and or connect on that level are going to find it interesting but like there's just so many things about that time frame that we grew up in that i'm like so happy people relate to like the longing and the friendship and the queerness and yeah. the music and all of that you know but like to me i it's it's been like one of this last 10 years, but really the last five, but the last 10 years, I'll, I'll be generous and, and round up has been so inspiring because of 
so many bands, starting with you guys, like so mm. many other artists, you know, like we're good friends with Shora and, you oh, know, yeah. I've spent like time with Haley Kiyoko and like, it's just, there's so many artists that are right around your guys' age or a little mm-hmm. bit younger who were in school when we were putting those albums out and like, you know, have, have been so kind to like give us props for inspiring them or, 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 you know, giving them hope or whatever, whatever the word they use is. And it's, it's weird because it's a two-way street, you know, the first decade that we were making music, social media really wasn't, it didn't exist. And so even though there were lots of bands who we had things in common with, there was no access to them Mm -hmm. and there were so few options for us. And it's just, it's so nice now to see how big that genre of music and that kind of artist like has grown, like that world has gotten. And it's so inspiring to us. And I think sometimes it's what keeps us going because I think we did venture into all these other areas and it was sort of like, maybe we don't need to focus as much on music. And there's just been so many wonderful queer alternative left of center bands and artists that have come out that are just so inspiring to us. And it's, it's sometimes sad to me that we all still have the same problems and we're still struggling with the same stuff, but there's also, it's very healing for me. You know, it helps me to let go of some of the grief from the early part of our career. We felt so alone and so overlooked and, and, you know, now I just don't feel that way because I, I I do think we had an impact, which again, goes kind of back to what you were saying about having a lot of influence in the culture, but then not necessarily feeling like you're getting credit for it or getting the money for it. Like, yeah, hello, that's our next memoir. Like it's just, it's like, but there's, I mean, you had such a huge impact in so many ways. Naomi talks all the time about how heartthrob really, I mean, I think on pop music in general, people know, it's true. I mean, like, obviously it's, it goes before then as well. I mean, like for, for us, but like, yeah, I'm, but take solace in the fact that like, Prior to Heartthrob, we had no mainstream support other than a blip of time where Walking with a Ghost was on alternative radio. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, and we've never been nominated for a Grammy and we've never Still got to, to play this any day? big award shows. No. And it's like, insane. fucking crazy. Like, Interesting. So I, but, but here's the thing is that that's become like, again, this is like my queer mindset and I'm, my superpower is reframing things. But like, I'm proud of the fact that we've made music for 25 years. Who gives a fuck about Grammys? Totally. Like you could be a band for two years and get nominated and win a Grammy, like, and, and then disappear and no one ever hears from you again. What matters is longevity. Totally. And also like our community, like if you're, if you are revered in our community, which I feel like you guys are at the heart of, it's like that that is the thing that I'm the most proud of. You know? It also speaks to what y'all were talking about or what Sarah was talking about earlier about like this idea of sort of writing yourself into the canon. I yeah. feel like mm-hmm. that is it's so funny that you say that because we talk about that all the time. Yeah, and that was record. That especially. was kind of like our goal. Yeah. With the with the self-titled record was to be like, we are going to sort of <laughs> rewrite history and pretend as though we or like to place ourselves in this canon of both like queer culture and pop culture in general even though that ultimately is like a fantasy but like to know that yeah like the the importance that y'all are feel that you have is is completely real and like i feel like maybe we're getting to a place where we kind of understand that Mm. as well about oh, ourselves so you think we're as though, important as tegan and sarah no i think <laughs> we're as, i don't i don't but i think we are as important as we think we are sometimes exactly. i'll never be able to tell you, you'll be your that's the thing is like you're important you know when you'll tell let me tell you when you'll tell there's you're gonna there, i truly feel this way 
there's the beginning of your career, whatever that looks like. Maybe that's three albums. Maybe it's 10 albums. It doesn't matter. There's the beginning of your career where you feel it's an uphill battle. The money doesn't fit. You know, you kind of struggle. There's kind of like exciting moments, but you know, it's often it's really challenging. And then there's this kind of like period of time. It's pretty much a blip where you are perceived from the outside as having it all. Holy shit. Biggest thing in the, you just like, can it get any bigger? My God, you must just be like, thrilled all the time and then there's a part of your career where everyone's like thank you so much for your service (laughs) we're gonna have to we're gonna have to put you down lean into legacy you're not getting Coachella ever again I hope you had fun you know like it's just like that tiny tiny little sweep spot you know you kind of were like wait but I was depressed during that time too bad doesn't matter that was your that's your good time it's always that way but here's what's great about the third chapter that Sarah's describing which we're in currently you do whatever the fuck you want And and if in the first chapter, which I call the foundational part of building your career, you make great art, you establish your identity and and the kind of band you are and who you want to be, and you build a connection with your audience, then you get to have second and third chapters. Lots of bands don't. And I think that's sort of what I'm getting at is that we never, we never assigned value to the conventional measurement tools that the industry uses because we weren't welcome in those places to yeah. begin with, right? Totally. The first 10 years of our career, 12 years of our career existed in a time where we weren't equal citizens. So we just, mm-hmm. we'd never adopted those tools of measurement. Yeah. And so it's a great and exciting thing when we get welcomed in, but it doesn't matter. That's not how we measure success. And I think, I think that's, that's how Tegan you- me- Tegan measures success by with tiny little glass hearts at the end of her fancy <laughs> no, vacation. I, I mean, of course, they did beg the question of how, of how you actually do measure success. And I'm sure that that's been a really evolving I, thing. I'm, I, we, yeah. I feel like we measure success with like the people. Well, we haven't exactly gotten there yet, but I want the people who work for us to not have to break their back fucking backwards to do their job because they're right now they're literally we want them to be with us on the bus watching survivor yeah that's what i want yeah we want the people who work for us to to be happy is that that's that's interesting that's That's very very interesting it's a really really nice sentiment but what do you really think will what i don't mean that you don't mean that genuinely but like really though that's not what that's not why you're really doing this it can't possibly no no i mean it's i think i think now that we're this deep into it and we have such like ride or die homies that that is a big part of it because we've had the same crew for so long yeah Yeah. but no it's not it that's not the that's not what is like thing is i think i think the the thing where it lies with them is that muna has always been something that's outside of the three of us and the people who work for us see the possibility of that thing and they yeah. believe in it with their you know with all their heart like literally think about Ivan like yeah. we're I think the the thing is like us actually actualizing the thing that everyone has like seen even ourselves mm-hmm. like when we've yeah. been in our darkest hour we've always yeah. thought about what we do is not necessarily like the ego driven thing but like what Muna can represent to like queer people and anyone of a marginalized identity who has like needed to feel seen in some ways. So it's both. I don't know when I'll ever feel anything because I'm devoid of all feeling, but (laughs) he lied. (laughs) That's not true. Mm, I I, I actually do. I, 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 I want to say, I really get that. I get what you're describing because you do, you live off the fumes of what other people see in you and believe in you and yeah. feel yeah. for you. We've certainly felt that about just our fan base. Like they just totally. it felt like they needed another record. They needed us to like, you know, we represented a lot and I felt compelled to keep yeah. going. 
Yeah, definitely. I I think you posted something about your relationship to work like after your vacation. Yeah. That was really interesting to me. What was yeah. it? I I mean, look, we I I for me I I the last couple of years I've had definitely a lot of epiphanies or like revelations and the and it's sort of all come to a head, which is just, you know, Sarah and I haven't done anything but work since we were 17. You know, we, we, we started working before high school, before we graduated and we've been locked in, we were locked in a record deal from the time we were 19 until about a year ago. And holy holy shit. shit. In the same yeah. deal? Just re-upped again and again. We got yeah. sold wow. once, but like, yeah. And this time we went out, we made a record ourselves and then we shopped it around and we went with a label that offered us a one record deal because I cool. was like, I don't want to make a decision for where I'm going to be the next 10 years. I want to yeah. be the next year. And I, started, and it's not a, it, this isn't a sad sap story. Like, you know, we love being in a band. Like we yeah. have had an amazing time. We've made 10 albums and a million things in between. We've toured around the world dozens of times. We've had extreme highs. I don't, you know, there's some things that will just never, you, can, you can't rehab the first time for a lot of things. Like we've crossed most things off the bucket list. There's very few things left, in my opinion, to do mm. except for make great art. And yeah. we just focus on that these days. But I think in the last couple of years, we definitely have tried to reorganize what we're supposed to be doing. Cause we had a really big career and a really big life, but it wasn't very full feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, how I've shifted that is that I cannot possibly spend 300 days on the road or even 200 days, even 150 yeah. days on the road and then expect my life to feel full at home. Yeah. It's just not going to. And I've just sort of asserted that like my legacy is not going to be how many records we sold or how many Grammys we got or how many tickets we sold or, you know, what famous friends I have. Like those things aren't going to really matter. Like if I perish tomorrow, like my legacy is absolutely going to be in part the art. I like how you don't die. You actually perish. You I perish. I, I really oh, yeah. like that too. Like Even it's beyond it's slow, tragedy. It's wanna, she's actually perished, everyone. On, she didn't just die. It was a perishment. I want, I I want it know. on record that even if I peter out and wither slowly, <laughs> it's still perished. Yeah. She's just... If she, she got she got locked inside, she ate all the kibble. <laughs> the dog ate her. She perished. <laughs> just, just to be, just to be, just to be clear, whether I perish or not. Tomorrow. It sounds like a manifestation. Would you shut the fuck up? I'm trying to knock on wood. I I just really don't believe that my legacy is going to be like, it's not going to be important like all those other things. Well, you'll have perished, so I'll be in charge of it. So I'll get to decide what your legacy is. But I do think that what (laughs) has become more important to me is continuing to sustain that full feeling in my life. And that that just means friendship and family and connection and art and telling stories and taking good care of myself and making sure I'm doing all the other things. And I'm not in any way begrudging the first 20 years of our career where all we fixated on was Tegan and Sarah, but it felt pretty one-dimensional to me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think I didn't understand that in my 20s. That like when, you know, older people in the industry, you know, mentors that we had said like, be patient, be patient because you're going to start writing your best material in your thirties and forties. You're going to have bigger and more fulfilling life experiences and you'll go back and recontextualize and, and, and understand things in a different way and, and articulate it in a different way. And it'll feel different. It had nothing to do with you'll sell more tickets or you'll sell more. It's just, you will be a better artist then. And I just feel like that's where I'm at. And so, yeah, I go on vacation or I take a couple weeks off and I don't look at social media and I don't look at my computer. And I just have this overwhelming sense that like, 
I'm it. I'm I'm here. I'm yeah. in that moment of my life. Yeah. Where, like none of those things matter. She's ready to she's ready to perish. I mean, I think I'm it's like, just I'm, presence. I'm like so it, I'm really honestly moved and I'm having like a, a, a thousand thoughts per minute listening to that because it it just feels really and I know nothing is urgent, but that does feel like such an urgent message. Um Yeah. And it it, it kind of makes me feel it just, it makes me feel inspired because I think that feeling of fullness at least I don't know maybe this is off base but I I see that like being in the first moments that you you know found a guitar and realized that there was something going on like being able to write songs that it was just something you could do and there's it's an internal thing where you there there's a knowing there and that is the treasure that's really all you gotta I mean I think about. that's like literally creativity is actually being aware that you're alive in this moment the past yeah. the present I mean the past and the future don't matter yeah all that matters and all that you have control over is like this present moment that you have on earth and I think that's what true creativity it's like, also is about yeah you it's, know it's like it it's those you like live for those like those transcendent sort of like divine feeling moments yeah. of like when you're creating something that makes all the other bullshit like when you're at a hotel and it's the worst ever yeah <laughs> totally like makes but it, it brought up two it. other things like we've talked about before naomi always references this essay about how like being gay is like failing at your gender what is it oh 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 it's not an essay well yeah i guess it is monique wittig Okay. She's like a French 60s feminist queer philosopher, uh -huh. I would say, and like theorist. But yeah, it's like how all her one of her things is like, if you are queer, you are automatically a gender deviant. Like mm. you are not you are if you are a if you are born female and you are gay, you are failing at what it is to be a woman. Yeah. Thusly, like yeah. you are not a woman. But sometimes I feel way. like um, she's super she's spitting that real. I'm, yeah, I'm bastard. Right. And I'm but. also super aware. Like, I feel like if anything like this conversation, it, it, it was interesting, like being in this virtual space together. What, as like a, the dyke den. Well, yeah, the, in the, <laughs> being in the dyke den, I'm like, I am so sorry about my skirt and I do like wearing my skirt. But um, yeah, the femme privilege is real. But at the same time, like I still and this is kind of abstract, but I still had this sense of like when I really accepted that I was queer and my path was going to be different. There was like kind of a, a death there, like an ego death of like, well, I'm not going to be able to fulfill maybe my family's expectations for me or society's expectations for me. But mm -hmm. that is super, super liberating. I've kept something that's such a treasure in that, which is like, I'm actually not afraid. Sometimes I freak them out when I talk about like the <laughs> end of our career or like the time we stopped touring. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm fine with things dying and things regenerating because mm -hmm. like, I don't know, it's, it's not a failure to just accept what's working and what's not. It's not a failure to accept like what feels good and what doesn't. I, I think we freak out because we're not there yet. That, I think no, you're why. not there. You're not there. None of, none of us are there yet. No, no. But may I make a suggestion that like the, the word that I used to describe figuring out I was gay, like, you know, because I had obviously confusion, crushes, feelings, emotions, longing, obsession with girls. But like when I made out with a girl for the first time. Oh, what is better than that? <laughs> yeah. The feeling after I described it the other day, actually to Clea and Laura, who write our show and Sarah was on the Zoom as well. But I said that after I made out with Jamie the first time, 
her sister came and picked her up. And then Sarah and my mom took me to Val. We went to value village and I was holding up a sweater in the mirror and saw that I had a hickey. Mm-hmm. And and I'd never had a hickey before because like I though I had like made out with lots of guys I'd like certainly would have never let one fucking suck on my neck you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah and instead of being like oh no or like oh, what if someone finds out like I leaned into the mirror and like I can still see my face like and how hard I was smiling like how mm-hmm. big of a smile and looking at it because it was a physical representation of of what I was in yeah. that moment yeah. and the joy. And yeah. that is the word, the joy that I felt in finally understanding who I was, like it, it, it overrode any fear or, 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 or like anything. It just was pure joy. And the only time I've ever experienced that feeling again is when I wrote my first song. When wow. I figured out that I understood how to put my hand in different like ways on the guitar and, and play a melody and then sing along and then played it for Sarah and she smiled at me and was like, oh my God, like th- yeah. those feelings are so similar to me inside of me. And neither of those things can be taken away. Yeah. And, you know, again, like when I think about legacy or I think about my queerness or I think about any of these things, they're just, there are some things that are just, they're in me and they'll never be gone. They'll never, ever, ever, ever be gone. I will always be an artist and I will always be gay. And, and yeah. I just know that. And the power that I feel in knowing that it means no one has to agree with me. No body of artists have to vote to decide that for (laughs) me. No record label, no agent, no anything has to happen for me to be who I am. I just am. So fuck you all. So fuck (laughs) everyone. And we fucking quit. And I'm crying on accident. (laughs) (laughs) So go fuck yourself, everyone. <laughs> buy tickets to T- buy tickets to Tegan and Sarah Khan. <laughs> yeah, let's okay. Go. I just want to say that that is also that is I never I I really agree with Tegan on so much of this, and I think we all search for that feeling again, and and you mm. know we get little we get little hits of it, if you will, yeah. like you know like fall out of love and you break up and you get into a new relationship and you're like oh yeah there it is there it is I met someone new I feel that thing again but kind of doesn't last as long as the other time you know whatever you start <laughs> yeah, looking, yeah. you know you start doing the thing and music it happens too I mean my god try squeezing fucking blood from this stone after 23 years it's hard <laughs> we could literally be playing for all of earth like they could be like we've got all the people on earth and like song three I'd be like I wish I was watching the latest episode of the last of us but do you know like it's just like i'm sorry like you could have the whole earth's population you could have <laughs> all of them there and i will start to think about chips and a glass of wine and going home yeah. and watching tv it's just i'm making a snack after that's just, that's what life is I mean, life's about just what life is. it's just what it is the only thing i will say and i'm not and i'm saying this as like a you know i i spend so thus thus far i've spent 41 and a half years listening to people talk about how magical having children is and like blah 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 and it mostly whatever can i ask why you said 41 and a half years <laughs> because I had a child seven months ago. So, okay. So, okay. like, since I've had the child, I have somewhat, Got I've, it. I've sort Sorry. of had to amend some of how I used to feel about people who Got talked it. about kids. Okay. There was, first of all, let me just quickly just jump out front of this and say, find most people with children annoying. People be like, you don't like kids. I'd be like, don't like people. That is why I don't want children because I don't like people and I don't want to be forced to hang out with them all the time. And I always found like people with children really smug and like all the things that they would say, I would be like, I don't get it. I don't whatever. 
I have had a really positive reaction to being a mom. Like things I said earlier in this, in this, um, in this conversation, you know, like it's actually made me feel very out and public and performative in this really exciting way. But I just want to also say that like, I, I, I so deeply love Sid and feel, feel something that, that sort of transcendent thing that you were talking about. Like when you first, you know, realize you're gay or you first make out with somebody that, you know, you're probably going to love, or you like played that song the first time and you thought like, wow, I don't suck. I can't believe I got the magic power to like write music. Like yeah, yeah. lucky me. I, I feel that way sometimes about Sid, but not, not because I'm like, he's so amazing. Like it is amazing. Like, I don't know. Like it's just like kids, you see them in increments. It doesn't seem as magical, but like one day he's a meat sack that just lays there. And the next day he was sitting up and holding a cup. And I was like, it's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. like it's for the record, a- Sarah used to say that her cats, like looking at an iPad was a miracle. Listen, so, <laughs> so what? And I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, I'm just, I love my cats. I think they're beautiful. I, holiday is, she, she's the love of my life, but, but, Mm. but watching, watching a human person grow and change every day and that they love, like watching him learn to love us and, and me love him. I, I love the experience, but what has made me access again is my own childhood. I, there's yeah. just there's oh a like I think about my childhood I process my childhood I look at pictures of my childhood but I don't feel my childhood mm-hmm. with Sid I feel my childhood it's this like it's it's hard to articulate it but it's like I have almost like found memories or something like the like when I had to first start like putting zinc on his butt you know like so they don't get diaper rash I had like visceral like like associations with the smell because I think I just remember it from like, I mean, I haven't been changing any kids' butts and like zinc and like whatever, (laughs) but I had this like feeling or whatever. Is zinc desitin? Do you you remember this? Uh, I might be be ratting on myself right now. I slept through chemistry, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Yeah, do you think, uh, dude, I barely went to high school. I'm talking about the brand of stuff that you put on your butt. I don't know. You about anything. You might have a different memory of it, but for me, it's like so rooted in some kind of like unearthed memory or whatever. Or even just like, like sometimes when I'm like all the relationships I've had, like, you know, my sister, my many girlfriends, my friends. My many girlfriends, my, all you my legends. Way to, way to brag, legend. No, but like all my things, you know, that I have had. One thing that as soon as like I'm like holding Sid, I love him. And we're like, like he's laying on me and I'm like hugging him or whatever. Like I remember what it feels like to be a little kid and hug somebody and hold somebody. You know, like, oh I, my God. like I feel like that that unearthed memory or that feeling of safety or surrender or whatever it is, like there's, there's <laughs> joy in that. And I think like, and I only say this as like the example of like, I love music. I feel very lucky and privileged to get to still do this. But like, I, I, it's also, I think, I think aspirational to find other things that let you tap into new joy like and you may you might might be like chasing the dragon in music forever like and that's fine but like one thing that I didn't know when I was in my 20s and 30s like freaking the fuck out about maintaining our career growing our career competitive whatever Mm. was that I potentially could just go be like minor good at something new and it would give me as good a feeling like seriously oh my god yeah you know like I seriously (laughs) like if I'd known just like having some fucking ferns in my backyard during the pandemic made me feel like fucking you know like euphoric you know and I'm just like if someone had just said like you're trying you're gripping real hard on this career of yours did you ever think about just getting a hobby that you're really good at can I ask another question yeah, yeah. no do know <laughs> can I ask is like what's the like I'm so curious just because you know 
we haven't all spoken together before about like what is the worst which we have to change because this has been delightful but Ooh. what's like the worst thing <laughs> like about your like like what's the thing you guys gripe about the most i think i think That's we're the worst thing. <laughs> you I guys think, are the same as us i, I, I can't believe that was the what, question what are you gonna, i have i have one <laughs> well i would say i think on a day-to-day basis perhaps just because we love to complain yeah at least me and joe do not want to do anything that we have to do almost ever. <laughs> That's so, Sarah. So yeah. it can. So yeah, some things can be the worst thing. Even like if what, it's like press, awesome. meet and greets, radio, like interviews. Like, I think the radio. I think radio is probably top five. One of the worst things ever yeah. that you ever. Yeah, have radio to do. sucks. But so we also is the most draining for well, me. Well, I think you leave yeah. the the way that I try to think about it now is like. Just like all the bad shit that we have to do, at least we have each other. And we do in six to nine months after it happens, we do laugh about it because it's so utterly humiliating. Yeah. The things we've experienced are so completely. Yeah. I think think the thing we hate devastating. We hate feeling humiliated. The dog thing. Yeah. The rate. That was one of the worst things. Like photo shoots or like going to radio. It's like. (laughs) uh, um, We have to stop. We're throwing it to a break. The break is happening now. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Okay, we're the back. The break's over. We're and we're back. back. I'm just going to spill tea. Like we, spill tea, we, we, we just played a tour in the UK. It was sold out. Like it was sold out. <laughs> I fucking saw that. Tour, it looked amazing. And we didn't have any fucking production. And Naomi and I are <laughs> playing like I'm playing a song runner. This is why I'm like, I'm throwing out my fucking back because I'm going to throw my whole goddamn cock into the ring every <laughs> time I play. And I'm just like, I need lights. I can't be doing this shit. The house anymore. lights right. person hates their fucking job. Yeah. That, that, we, yeah, we they always hate, hate their job. You know when it that. feels they like, it okay, so, so it's like runner's high is a song where it's like you're, it's, you're basically ah, at a race. <laughs> And it's the lights are giving the lights are as important as the production. music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like middle yeah. school theater play, yeah. where you're just exposed. That's embarrassing. Feeling exposed in that way. I think we did. <laughs> we've done a few things that like are just shrimp cocktail so funny. Yeah, like performing on the Paramount lot, doing an acoustic. This was many years ago, but like performing an acoustic show at the Paramount yeah. lot. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> eating. Everyone's eating shrimp. No one gives a fuck about you. You're playing the most <laughs> heartfelt song. Uh, yeah, we now played put it. it. Now put it on a rooftop in Manhattan where a helicopter is landing <laughs> and no one can hear you. And we, they're been just there. Like, Not okay, a helicopter, like, but we played in we played in Montauk and there was a bunch oh of like God. rich people bros literally in front doing of us. cocaine and like trying to grind on this girls chick was playing throwing ass Tiffany on Trump, this dude Tiffany like you would Trump not believe. It was insane. Yeah. Um, I've, got, I've got one. I've got one. Okay. It's a combination of a couple of the things you don't like to do. <laughs> um, it's a radio show, but I love it. But it's at a venue. But it's sponsored by a condom company so all the people in the venue blow up the condoms make balloons and spike them at you all the time. <laughs> 
In a way, I love that. I love that. I think I would love, we we love, I guess one thing that, the thing that's <laughs> oh straight, God, sorry, straight men. Sorry, straight yo, men. Yeah, that's all. I, I, I would be, yeah, yeah, no, the streets, no, I'd the streets be aren't anywhere mad. near us unless they're, they're like No, they 60, are. Do they men have any dental dams there like to be conscious of the. People haven't seen a dental dam since 1863. I never seen a dental dam. I used a dental dam for recently. Whoa. What? I know. I'll ask you like, about that later. I can you believe? No, it's because we were being believe. really, really good and we were waiting. We were getting tested before we had um, sex for the first time, but the testing was uh, taking a little long. Yeah, and the horniness had no the horniness could not. <laughs> and wait. the horniness was extremely high. And we were we were being such good <gasps> angels. I'm so impressed. I'm absolutely stunned. I would I would I'm be I'd be risking I'm it. I'm stunned. I've never liked anyone. I've never liked anyone enough to use a dental dam. Like if they were like, I'd be like, let's just wait a little bit longer. That's no, no, but but, okay, but I would just have sex. Haven't you had? (laughs) I would risk it all. That's what I was saying. I was like, I would just just risk it all. Guys, we can't wait. There's a problematic thing. There's a problematic thing with people with vaginas that they're just like. I've had a couple exes be like, we just we're not giving each other STDs. Like the lessons are not. Well, that's that's true. That's true. Are you looking at me for a reason? No, no, no. I'm not looking at you. You didn't say that to me. I don't think I. Yeah, we we know. We know. At the time, because we were just virgins. I mean, we weren't, but we were. You know, sure. Can I ask another question about? Yeah. No, no, because I have an I have a question for you. (laughs) Oh, okay. okay. Because you said that you haven't liked someone enough to use a dental dam, but haven't you? I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Haven't you had? No, I mean, you're I wouldn't use it for all your ex girlfriends that are listening. I want to hear the question. Uh, the question is: <laughs> Haven't you had sex with someone like when you were maybe in high school? Or oh, maybe no. another time? You're haven't you had sex dirty. where it's like you kind of did have sex, but you had underwear on? Katie yeah. loves to talk yeah. about this. Yeah, Katie, 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 <laughs> Katie loves this. Up, I swear to oh God, my God this is me realizing like, what, do I have an underwear on? Like, you have fetish? a no, no, no. Does lingerie? Does lingerie count? Me too. What you do? No, yeah, no. I totally know what you're talking about, the underwear on and Underwear fetish. on. I think it's actually vaginal sensitivity is what you yeah. actually are experiencing. Okay, okay. And so it's, it's more than that, though. It's more than that. It's also like that you're so rushed and so eager you can't even take the time to take. Yeah, but yeah. everybody's yeah. had that. Why, you guys, Jizz you in your pants. You guys aren't like, you guys aren't like <laughs> well, finding a brave new world. Is. Well, guess what underwear is? It's underwear a is a dental dam. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. basically a dental dam. No, no, because if it was latex, it would be a dam. I'm not ripping out a pair underwear from thing. a bag and putting this on is, this is it's not the my thing many about being so there's two there's two points to this the other thing is being so rushed that you're so goddamn horny that you you jizz in your pants <laughs> that, the thing you're talking about is concretely choosing to jizz in <laughs> let, me t- let me tell you something like, you're your pants. the fact that you know where like when i think about being a young person having sex first of all i wouldn't have even known I, the only reason I even knew what a dental dam was because was because when I came out after high school, my mom, in a in a spiteful mean way, brought a bunch of dental dams oh, from no. wherever you got them, put them in a basket oh. with some pampl- pamphlets about STDs, and put them in our basement suite where Tegan and I were paying rent and living. And I remember, <laughs> so I do have a trauma story, but I also yeah. was like, like even now, I'm just like I walk by 
like, would you, can you get them on Amazon.ca? Because, like, I wouldn't probably I ever go in somewhere and be like, is there a dental dam around here? I mean, I think Katie's imagine. the only one who actually knows where that is now. Yeah, where do you Was get a Amazon? dental dam these Was days? Let Am- the kids know. Well, now Pleasure I feel, chest. Now Pleasure I feel chest. like I need to clarify that it wasn't, <laughs> we actually just use, like, plastic. But that's not a dental <laughs> dam. That is not a dental dam. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck? It is probably ineffective. That's not a dental dam, it's and that's not effective. Even I know that. effective. I'm going to look up on Amazon. Would you let a guy? Would you let? Would you t- let a guy walk saran around wrap? knowing that they were? If they said, "I just used some saran saran wrapper on my penis," <laughs> you, you think that's gonna work? Well, that's not <laughs> tie it off with I, a rubber band. I, 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 what kind of, my what pants kind of plastic did you use? Everyone, calm down, Katie. It what was kind of plastic did you use? Plastic. There you go. Why do you have medical grade plastic? Because I have a good reason, but I'm not going to share it because oh I because God. it's my my partner has medical grade plastic. Okay, all right. uh, okay, okay. Well, so okay. now ha, now we're ha, assholes. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess my answer then my guess my answer then for you is that I have had irrespons. I've either had boring sex or irresponsible sex. I've never yeah. had. Res- I've never Agreed. had a no. dental Yeah, I'm definitely. I also want to just then. confess once again that I did kind of just use the phrase medical grade plastic like. I know what that means. And everyone just accepted yeah, it. Yeah, but like, we did. Yeah. You could still... This is the <laughs> I thing. don't actually know. We believed you completely. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I feel kind of bad about how well that worked where we're just, like, moving I just on want to I, believe you. I felt... Uh, personally, I felt like I had to believe you because I felt Sarah <laughs> specifically was really coming at you there about yeah. the dental dam. So yeah, I felt yes. I needed to take your side. So I was happy to go with you. And how could say, you yeah, not go course, after her? Good. How could you not, yeah. though? Well, I wasn't going after you. And I also, when you said... You didn't just say medical-grade plastic. You actually used it in conjunction with I'm not going to say disclose because my partner has it which made my brain fill with reasons why they might have just like a murderer like, uh, like, like, like Dexter kind of like plastic or like what do you mean like a tarp like you cut up pieces of a tarp and just yes it was a tarp actually <laughs> that's that's the real secret I'm going to ask a question I'm going to do hard left and maybe Katie can roll with roll with on this. Oh, what did I want to say? Well, I want to talk about touring. What do you what do you have on your rider? What do you love? What do you love that's on your rider? Do you look forward to like digging into some snacks after the show or no? This is the secret. In my opinion, this is the secret. You take the buyout. No. Well, we definitely are very mindful of how how much rider we get. We don't yeah. like food waste and yeah. we're really mindful about like buyouts and those kind of things because I would rather take the cash. But yeah. no, our secret with our rider is, is that we basically kind of have a boring rider. Yeah, we and do And then too. we just and it, like go super, like that's been our thing is like a super basic, kind of boring because then you don't eat all day long because it feels like yeah. Christmas day backstage right you're <laughs> yeah. just sitting around waiting all day long and so you just yeah. eat and eat and eat and eat so we just get like the super boring stuff and then we supplement every once in a while with like please get us 12 large bag party size bag of chips and then yeah. like just like yeah, a ton sure. of wine but mostly we just have like really like turkey jerky and dry yeah. almonds like just really boring healthy shit so that we don't eat junk we, all day we, long. we always like on our bus we have like Electron chips and like fun yeah. things. But that's a supplement. It's not the daily rider. We really try to keep it basic. What's yeah. the, like what's the craziest shit on your rider? Do you have anything we, weird? We don't have anything crazy. We I I, I think the craziest thing about our rider is that like how many different drinks we like. Well, yeah. I mean, mm. we're just we're fucking boring. We're boring. We don't drink on tour. I mean, it, I heard I don't know which one of you said it, but that you guys don't do meet and greets. You guys don't do fan meet well, and greets. Well, no, we we the the we don't do any paid meet and greets and like after the show we stopped meeting fans because every time we would we would get COVID sick too. 
Yeah. Yeah. You we would can't. get yeah, like even can't. before COVID, yeah. we would get we would get yeah. sick because someone yeah. wants everyone wants to give me a hug and then I'm have a cold for a week. You no, know, the only reason the only reason yeah. why we're um we've been doing paid meet and greets now since Heartthrob era in 2013. It is it is our margin at this point. It's actually yeah, totally. how, yeah. it's how we're actually making money. And it's interesting because we It's used also to, really fun. Well, yeah, well, but you we have don't, fun with it. I yeah, but we do. We it. do. OK, so like we do. This is no judgment, by the way. I mean, everybody has a different thing. So when we no, first I'd started doing them, we we like we used to do the thing where you like line up and talk to people, but it would like go on for like seriously like hours. And we were like, yeah. this is not realistic. Getting yeah. sick kind of feels scary a little bit sometimes. It's just yep. a huge labor for the crew, blah, blah, blah. Too much touching. So we stopped doing that. What we do is a sound check where they get to. Um, well, sometimes they would come to Soundcheck and then that kind of didn't work either because we would just be like, we'll never want to play any songs in Soundcheck and we're just like, don't care. But um, so now <laughs> we Soundcheck and then once everything is done, what we're the new model that we've been trying that we really liked is that after Soundcheck is over, they load everybody into the venue and then Tegan and I play um, some acoustic songs and and then they submit questions and we do like a Q&A, but we have the, all the questions so we can decide like what we actually want to talk about. Yeah. And then they just hang out and they get like some swag and they get whatever. But it's like quite literally. Yeah, they get a gift bag. They get early yeah. access to the venue. They get um, line free merch shopping. And yes. it's fucking But it's truly like the thing amazing. that's like, it's, it's actually the thing that we're making money on right now. Yeah. And it's something that people genuinely really want. It's kind of fun. It's kind of it's kind of fun. Like to like, it's like lower stakes than like so one of the things that was really hard sometimes about doing the meet and greets where you're talking to people is that you're like, oh, no, I gave that person a whole minute. And then the next person, you kind of feel like you're rushing them because you're like, yeah, that was a long time. So like, yeah. I didn't like that things kind of felt like they didn't always feel like equal. And it yeah. just felt like certain people will just take more and certain people will take less. And it's awkward and whatever. And one of the things I like about the acoustic like Q&A thing that we've been doing is it gives us a chance to really like interface with like the hardcore people that like we know them like some of the people like there was this there's this one guy that has seen this on this tour that we just did it was like his he was like he hit his 150th show with us and it's oh like my God. so they're like people that like they're, they're, we've known them for like forever like they're yeah. growing up with them yeah and so like it's nice because it kind of gives them a sort of like it gives them a sort of like vantage point that's like different, but then also we can quickly like chat with them and it's like nice. And then the questions I find just really hilarious because people do get some time, they do get time before they submit the questions. They can, they do it a few days in advance. The questions are super thoughtful and interesting and fun. And then we also just get to like play like old shit that we're not never going to play again in our live show, but like it gives yeah. us a chance to kind of like do, do workshop other things. And then mm. financially, you know, we were talking about this earlier where we were like going to do this offline, but it's like, I'm a big advocate of it because if it's if it feels like it's tough, like if you're financially looking for that extra little booster, I think there is no shame in doing paid meet and greets. I think it's like I think it's a beautiful way to give back to the community. And it's like and it is a way to change the budget. It just looks different with VIP in it. It just does. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's so. intimate. I don't think there's any shame in in having a value applied to like a higher degree of intimacy like that. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. The That's two oldest want. professions are like music slash entertainment and sex work. It's like I was just there's about no to say, shame in either of these things. Exactly. I would want to feel closer to you. If there yeah. was like an indecent proposal style plot line in my life right now and somebody offered me a million dollars to have sex with them, I would be like, Tegan, who? You know, like, yeah. I would just wait, like, why? Wait, what do you mean, Tegan? Who? I'm not having sex with you. What do I care? No, I'm saying I'd quit the band. Like, I'd be like, I'm not in the band anymore. If I could just wait, so who? 
Yeah, like so. What you'd have to sleep with them forever? I don't understand. No, you sleep with them. No, I'm saying sleep with them once, and then they they also said, Sarah, you have to quit the band if you're yeah. gonna sleep with well, like, me. I, well, obviously, have, if I have an idea. Okay, oh, we should so have confusing. we should have people. Everybody write in who is willing to spend <laughs> that money and change their lives. Do yeah, I have to? I no, my only question is: Do I have to <laughs> do use have a dental do dam? Do I have to use yes, a dental dam? You have yeah, to use if a I dental dam. want to, after <laughs> sponsored by a dental dam, dental dam or surgical grade latex. Oh my god! Can dental dams sponsor this podcast? I think I you'd love. have to find a specific brand. Is there even a fucking name of brand? <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly, clearly they're Medical not. Medical grade plastic, <laughs> just as good as a dental dam. I'm gonna. Uh, That's my ad. We're gonna become dental dam truthers, like they don't actually. Uh, this is <laughs> fucked up because I just feel like this is. We, we've been talking. This has been pretty fucked up, you guys. <laughs> I, we've been talking for so long, and I just feel like I didn't actually ask anything that I wanted to. Like I well, didn't ask a single question about songwriting. Well, like, we'll, we'll have to fuck? do this again. It, it, oh yeah. It's, it we sucks that this is the first time in a way. Like, yeah, it's actually I guess we're going to have to move in with you guys and help you raise your child. <laughs> Come and hang out. I hey, will say, I will say that we, this happens a lot. Like, I've, I'm having so many competing thoughts. I feel the same. It feels like we barely scraped the surface. But one of the stories that we tell a lot about our career is that for the first decade, and it still happens, but certainly for the first decade of our career, we were compared to Ani DeFranco. Mm, yeah, every sure. article and every piece. And, you know, I understand that probably for our first or second record, but as we moved into pop and indie rock, it was always such a weird thing, but it never, ever, ever, ever diminished how much we loved her. If anything, it just made us feel mortified for her because she was probably just like, God, get these kids off my dick. You know what I mean? Like it was just <laughs> such a weird, it was like, if I felt somehow like we were responsible for this comparison. Um, yeah. Anyway, we've never met Ani. And so like, decades went by and recently we got the opportunity to interview her it was just over zoom but it was this weird full circle moment because when we were in high school you know we had tried calling the righteous babe hotline like you know the number on the back of yeah. defranco records for her record label to ask her for advice wow. and you know here we were like 23 years later finally talking to her and it was this weird moment where i realized like what a gift it is to be able to talk to other artists and be able yeah. to share and commiserate. So all that was a very long winded way of saying that it was such a pleasure to get to talk to you guys. And we're so proud of everything you're doing and so thrilled for you at, you know, all the success that you're, you know, achieving and you're brilliant songwriters and performers and wonderful people. And we just are always here for you if you need anything. Marry us. <laughs> Mike, yeah. We need to get married. <laughs> yeah, no, we love sure. you so much. Like you truly are our parents. I know that, that that's like a cute online slang, but like, yeah, <laughs> you really, really are our parents and we would not have anything close to the career that we have if you guys didn't exist. So, well, we love you. I appreciate that. And uh, let's definitely, I don't know if we need like a monthly Zoom to just talk shit. I think we should. My, my question is, when are you guys going to visit us on tour? Yeah, I would. I'm looking at your tour dates right now. There's so much. I'm so excited. We're just about to announce some dates, so I'm going to see if there's Sick. some crossovers. I, I, I would die. I, I would love to come and see you guys. Wow, <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you guys. This was, was so much a, fun. It was such a pleasure, you guys. And hit us up anytime. Yeah, okay. I can't wait to we see your toilet. Thank you so much <laughs> for doing this with us. Chaotic is a production of Headgum, created and hosted by us. The band Muna, but mostly we're known as the famous podcasters from the podcast Chaotic. Our producer is Anya Kanovskaya. And our associate producer is Ali Khan. 
If you want to prove that you love us, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or wherever people review podcasts. We might even pick your review and talk about it if it's a really good and really nice one. You can subscribe to Gaotic on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop on Hump Day, Wednesday. One of the greatest days of the week, baby. That's right. We do this regularly because we have fucking discipline. You're listening to our voices right now, which sound pretty good. But guess what? The face cards don't decline either. So head over to our Instagram at whereismuna and like one of our photos. I mean, truly any dopamine hit we can get is helpful. Meet you right back here next week. <laughs> that was a HeadGum Podcast.